Hi, everybody, and welcome to Invested. I'm Danielle Town. My dad is still out for some rest and relaxation this week. So we are taking today for a special Invested podcast event. And I'm so excited. The first ever Invested book club. You guys have asked for a book club. I've mentioned it a number of times, super casually. I've gotten your emails. We're doing it. We're starting today. Warren Buffett and Peter Lynch have both said, invest in businesses an idiot could run because one day an idiot will. Great advice for all of us who are trying to figure out how on earth to choose wonderful companies to invest in. It's one of the biggest questions in our investing practices. So today with our inaugural Invested Book Club pick, we are starting out with a book that tells us how to know if management is trustworthy. Investing Between the Lines is the book by L.J. Rittenhouse. It's a book that we've already talked about on our podcast before. I know I've mentioned it a number of times here on the podcast. I've mentioned it in my Invested newsletter. She's been on our podcast. She was on our live podcast in Omaha, Nebraska at the Berkshire Hathaway shareholder meeting. She knows everyone in the Berkshire world including Warren Buffett himself. And I mean, listen, when you hear the full interview, she talks, she calls him Warren and she doesn't even bother to say Buffett to explain who it is. It's amazing. (laughs) Of course I had to tease her about it. So here's the plan for today, guys. We are going to, first of all, get a little preview of what she and I talked about, about the book. And today I'm going to tell you, first of all, we're doing this and then give you four weeks to go out and find the book, buy the book, read the book, and be ready to discuss it on our August 14th episode. So that gives you four entire weeks. Go get it and read it. Find it at your local library. Find it at your local independent bookstore. We love to support independent bookstores. Amazon and Barnes & Noble will deliver it to your home. So find the book however you get it. Investing Between the Lines is the title, and the author is L.J. Rittenhouse. Today, I'm going to play for you a preview of our discussion. Investing Between the Lines was specifically recommended by Warren Buffett himself in his 2012 letter to Berkshire Hathaway shareholders, which is just crazy. And what it does is it presents this method of linguistic analysis that L.J. Rittenhouse has developed. Through her research, what she says she can do is tell whether or not a CEO is trustworthy whether or not they are going to be shepherding this company well in the future. And she's got a whole method of doing that, which is really extraordinary because it involves putting numbers to words. And that's what the book is about. In the clip I'm going to play for you guys now, she describes why she reviews shareholder letters. She focuses on candor or FOG. FOG is an acronym, which she'll explain. And then she analyzes specific companies like Sherwin-Williams and Home Depot. And what she found was actually that by analyzing these letters, she could tell whether or not that company was going to go up in value or down in value. And it really kind of blew my mind because when I looked at the letters that she presented in the book, I honestly would not have picked up on what she picked up on. So I found it incredibly valuable to see what she was talking about and how words that seem nice and vague and pleasant and would have gone straight over my head now are words that I actually look out for when I read shareholder letters. Listen. And so the CEO, as you mentioned, is the captain of the ship, is the person that you look at through these letters to see if it's somebody 
we can trust somebody who's going to take the ship on the right course. How did you start and what kind of system did you develop to create proper analysis around that? I mean, I think the cool thing about what you do is that it's actually quite quantitative. Oh, it's all, what it does is it quantifies the amount of what I call, what I call candor, what is candor, the courage to shine light into dark places Mm. and uh, quantifies the lack of candor or what I call in the book, an acronym FOG standing for fact deficient, obfuscating generalities. Fact deficient, obfuscating generalities create FOG. (laughs) that's big time fog yeah yeah and and i need i think it's really important danielle to make this point which i want to underscore right now so interesting why should we read shareholder letters because yes they're written by the captain of the ship the ceo but the captain embodies the corporate culture the captain embodies the values you know, a lot of people, a lot of uh, CEOs, they write post-it, post-it note values. You know, we, we, we honor integrity and excellence and, you know, words on a page without any support. So when, when one is finding a letter that at the end of it, you can say, as with Warren Buffett, wow, it feels like I just had a meeting with the CEO. For example, I'm reading Sherwin-Williams' letter right now. The paint store company, you would think, well, that's an interesting business, but, you know, not, nothing to write home about. That's one of the highest performing companies in our survey, not just uh, candor-wise, but also financially. Well, and you and, mention it in the book as well, yeah. which is from 2012. So that's been a high performer for a long time. Well, and what's so interesting, so if the CEO embodies the company, you want to know what happens when there's a change in CEO. Absolutely. And last year was a banner year for CEO change. So when we, when we, as soon as we get our report out, which will be in a few weeks, uh, we're going to be able to see which companies seem to be, uh, as the word used, seamlessly navigating from the prior CEO's leadership and voice and values to the current CEO. There's an amazing example of that that you write about in the book in Home Depot, where there was an original CEO whose name was Blank, I believe. And then... Arthur Blank, right. Mm-hmm. And you said that his letters were relatively full of candor. You liked them. Generally, they were ranked, I think, somewhere around the top 20 of the Rittenhouse rankings, which we'll talk about in a minute. And then another CEO came in, Nardelli, in the year 2000. And, <laughs> and you analyzed his letter. And I thought it was so interesting because I would not have picked up on any negativity. You say the fact that he uses the words powerful culture and it's an honor and a privilege to write this letter and that he went out and met every Home Depot manager were actually examples of fog. I would have taken that as positive. (laughs) And it made me realize how deeply you go because what you said was, now why didn't he go meet with the actual employees? Why is he using vague words like powerful culture instead of describing what he's actually talking about? Yeah, Yeah, well, he, he, there he is. He came from, you wonder what boards are thinking, right? Do they really understand their culture? He came from the GE culture, a totally top-down culture 
And we all see where this led. Hmm. So he brought that top-down values into a company that was all bottom-up. When you wrote Arthur Blank's letters, you, you were with him on the store floors talking to the orange-aproned employees. The people loved him. He, had, he, he garnered the kind of uh, respect and affection that Jim Senegal at Costco uh, had garnered during his tenure as CEO. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, when I, as soon as yeah. that through those kinds of words. And that's where I think the education is from reading your book is because I would have just taken that on its face as like, oh, he's being nice. OK, but he met every Home Depot store manager. That sounds like a decent idea. Well, and I, I wouldn't have been able to see those things had I not thoroughly analyzed and um, integrated my think into my thinking all the great work that uh, all the great letters that uh, Arthur Blank and his colleagues had authored over the years that's a great point so it was the comparison that really showed the differences yes absolutely you want to see that continuum from there she went into how she actually quantifies those letters so that she can put them into rankings And you'll hear that in four weeks when we play the full episode and you'll read it in the book in the meantime. So the biggest comment that I get from people when I tell them about this book or after they've read the book is, wait a second, can't these letters just be written by some PR person? And really, like, how much can we actually tell about a CEO who probably didn't even write the letter himself, which to me is legit criticism and a very proper question in today's day and age where there are teams of people who go over these things. So I asked her. And by the way, notice how she mentions Warren really casually in this section. Yeah, that's Warren Buffett. Mm -hmm. First name basis. So let me ask you about this because this is generally the first question I get from anybody whenever I talk about this book. They say, wait a second, these letters are not actually written by the CEOs. They're written by PR people. They're written by, frankly, consultants like you who come in and give them advice on how to phrase what they want to say. How do you handle that? Do you think that's true? And if so, how do you handle that in your analysis? Uh, You know, I've never said this before, but that question infuriates me. It's okay. It's okay. I'm glad you're raising it. I'm because you're absolutely right. That that literally, the second somebody puts that book down, that's what they've said to me. But hold on, these CEOs don't actually write the letters. Well, then my response is number one. Doesn't that tell you something important right away? Well, only if I can tell if they wrote it or not, and I'm not sure. I I assure you, I'll I'll take anybody. You bring them to me, I'll have them write a letter high in fog, a letter low in fog, and they and I'll say, okay, which one of these would you trust? It's as clear as the nose on your face. Hmm. So what I hear you saying is if it's low in fog, it probably came from that person. It probably well, wasn't it written came, by some flacky in the in the PR department. Well, here's how I okay, here's here's response number two. Um not every CEO is blessed with the gift of writing. Sure. The gift. Um, and so what I, what I, the language I've used is, did the CEO author the letter? Did the CEO take accountability? Because I know CEOs who can't write very well, but they work so closely with the people 
who do, who are skilled in writing. And that letter, maybe it was crafted by the uh, IR person or the corporate communications person, but that is an authentic letter. You, I've, I know those CEOs, and I know that that letter that they didn't sit down and you know handwrite like Warren does. Uh, uh, that letter represents who they are, and that letter is one that's low in fog. Hmm. So that sounds like that's the real test: low in fog, low in obfuscation. That equals this is coming from the brain of the person leading this organization, even if they didn't actually sit down and write it. It's coming from the brain, the heart, the soul, the um, energy. It's, it's, you know, again, there's a, there's an energy that you get uh, after the reading, you know, it's interesting after the reading the letter, you ask yourself, is this somebody I would trust or not trust with my money? It's, it's an extraordinary method because when you talk about it, I kind of go like, Oh, I Seems like it could work. I'm just not sure I would be able to tell. <gasps> okay. <laughs> tell me. That, that is, that is, that's like, you just hit pay dirt. <laughs> Seriously. And this is so important. And particularly in these crazy times where we have people uh, who don't, who, who believe BS before they believe truth. So, so I tell the story in the book of uh, my IP lawyer who called me up uh, one day and said, Laura, did you read Goldman Sachs's letter this year? I, I said, no, why are you asking? He said, well, I don't understand it. I said, really? Oh, well, I'll take a look at it. I looked at the letter. It was, you know, again, because I have this training. The first paragraph was magnificent. It clearly stated what had happened. One sentence followed the other logically. There was kind of a beginning, uh, you know, we all learned this, you know, the, the opening sentence and then it developed and there was a closing. And then we got to the next paragraph and it was like the bus ran off the road. The first sentence, it was full of jargon. It was convoluted. It was run on. The next sentence was run on. I mean, it was like, it was, it was a terror. And uh, what were they talking about in that paragraph? This is 2008. They were talking about how it, is, how it was that the fact that Goldman Sachs was a counterparty to AIG had nothing to do with AIG's very expensive bailout by the government, hmm. which, which was a problem because, of course, the former head of Goldman Sachs was the Treasury Secretary. So, so I thought, wow, well, there's a smoking gun. <laughs> I didn't. And so I called my... IP lawyer back. I said, Stephen, uh, I, you know, look, this is what I found. And so he, he looked at, they said, well, that's right. That's right. I said, how could you not see that? And he said to me, this is in answer to your question, because I didn't think I was smart enough. Yeah. Yeah. Now, what is it? It's, it's, it's how the, you know, that old story about the emperor's new clothes. And that's why this work is, you know, I've never said this before, but that's why this work is so important and so empowering because we, each of us, in order to become truth tellers, we need to become truth seekers. And we need to be able to trust our, not just, but we need to trust our instincts and that our words will come from those instincts. This stuff goes so deep. 
And I'm really looking forward to you hearing the full episode where we really get into it. So Investing Between the Lines is the book. Check it out. You've got four weeks. And on the August 14th episode, we will have our full interview with LJ Rittenhouse. And yes, by the way, it's summertime and I do consider this book a beach read. So take it with you on vacation, sip a margarita, sit back and learn how to tell if a CEO is being shady or not. I mean, come on, what more could you want from a beach vacation? And next week, guys, my dad will be back. Yay! And we will be back to our typical programming where I tell him that he's wrong about everything and he tells me that I'm wrong about everything. And then we learn together. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Thanks for listening to Invested, you guys. Do you know, by the way, that Danielle and I wrote a book together called Invested based off of this podcast. Critics are calling it the ultimate intro handbook to investing. And I know you're going to love it, too. And it just made the top 10 on the New York Times bestseller list. We're really excited. It's a really good book. It's a great read. For a free sneak peek of the book, head over to investedpodcast.com book. And if you enjoyed this episode and you want more information, including show notes and more episodes, visit us at investedpodcast.com. Everything discussed on this podcast is either my opinion or Danielle's opinion and is not to be taken as investing advice because I am not your investment advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I hope you enjoyed it.